Hello and welcome to Launch Into Teaching with me, Julia Padgett. The second season of Launch Into Teaching is dedicated to what you need to consider when starting at a new school. I'll be speaking with new and early career teachers about their experiences of starting out and the lessons they learnt along the way. Plus, I'll share some thoughts on the little bumps in the road that might pop up during those first few terms and explain how you can overcome them. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Emma. Emma is an early career teacher who's just completed her first few years in teaching. She's a secondary teacher um, teaching at an independent school in Melbourne. Emma also happens to be working at the school where I am deputy principal as a little bit of a disclosure at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Welcome, Emma. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Julia. It's great to jump on and have a chat. Excellent. So let's go back to the very beginning. What inspired you to become a teacher? Look, I think that's a really interesting question because finishing school and through year 12, I wasn't actually sure what I wanted to do um, after finishing school. And so I sort of left it to the absolute last minute I could to put in any preferences um, for uni. And I sort of, a lot of family, a lot of friends had sort of said that they think that'd make a really great teacher. Um, through growing up, I was always um, through my sporting clubs and through my social um, networks. I was always um, always a people person, loved being around people, loved helping people. And um, often within my sporting clubs, I was a um, key leader in that. And I think they thought that that was a sign that maybe teaching would be good for me. Um, but yeah, as I said, I actually didn't put it in until the day before um, VTAC is what they call it. Our um, university preferences were due um, and I put them in, um, which was lucky. Um, but yeah, I did decide that teaching, I'd give it a go. And I think as well, growing up, my mum was a teacher. So I had a lot of insight straight away into what she does and what she gets out of teaching. So I had that as well to lean on for a bit. And mum always said, it's something you can try. If you don't love it, that's okay. Um, but yeah, no, I gave teaching a go, put in my preferences and yeah, here we are. That's a very similar story to me. There's a lot of talk in the media at the moment, as you would be very well aware, about graduates finishing university qualifications, whether that's, um, you know, they've done an undergraduate degree in education or they've come through the master's program because they've done an undergraduate in a different qualification. There's a lot of talk in the media at the moment about um, graduates coming into the into the teach into the classroom realm not being prepared, and so I'm really interested to know because you graduated from your masters about three years ago. Did you feel that you were, I suppose, ready to be in the classroom? And just to add another little question onto that is, if you didn't in any particular areas, could you tell us um, where they were? Yeah, so I finished my undergrad in 2020, at the end of 2020, so um, a COVID year, and my undergrad was actually a teaching degree as well. So I did, um, for four years, I did a Bachelor of um, Education. I was really lucky that I was able to be qualified from prep to year 10 generally, so um, your English, humanities, science, and your yeah your general subjects up to year 10 with the primary qualification in there. And then I specialised in PE and health, um, meaning that I could teach that from prep to year 12. So that was my four-year undergrad course. And then, as you said, I did um, continue on to do my master's, which was in student wellbeing. 
And there's actually a funny story behind that because at the end of 2020, I was ready to take a gap year and each year, each semester at uni, I was like, push through, push through, push through. Um, don't take a gap year, don't take a semester off. And I did, I finished my four years and then um, decided to do my master's because wellbeing is always something I've been so interested in. Um, but due to the COVID situation, I couldn't actually get on a plane and travel. So I thought while I am um, still in the swing of uni and have the time, I would start my master's. My undergrad course, I think, was really, really good. Um, I think it was really interesting having such a wide variety of subjects and methods taught. I do think, however, it can sort of be compromised when you're learning so many different methods in four years and it's pushed into four years that there's not necessarily, it's not, there's not a lot of behaviour management. There's not a lot of necessarily, it's just scraping the barrel of this is um, how you would do maths, this is how you would do English, um, humanities. I only actually had a couple of two units per core general um, primary subject, but the PE and health side of things, I feel completely prepared for um, being my um, method of specialisation, which in my degree they were really focusing on and gave us so much um, practical experience within our cohort at uni to practice on each other and yeah really give that a red hot crack yeah. because for majority of us that was our specialist method so in to answer your question I think I was prepared in terms of PE and health always um felt that that was great and then um yeah obviously at this school I had the opportunity to jump in and teach humanities which I've learned so much along the way of um, but I think for someone that's considering starting a uni course like um, like teaching, um, I would recommend doing one that is broad because it does really open up your options as to what you can teach, yeah, when you get to that stage. That's great advice. And I think it's um, having that broad like prep to year 10 qualification, as you say, gives you a really broad exposure. You may not necessarily get the depth, but you feel at least that you've had that, um, yeah, you've had that option to sort of see different settings and and to be sort of, you know, not across in a deep way, but across a lot of things, which is really helpful. I'm interested to know what professional development you've done since you've left uni, so since you've started teaching that you were like, this is really aligned. So maybe not your master's, but maybe some professional development that you've done through school. And, and you know, keeping in mind, this might be something that other beginning and early career teachers might be on the lookout for too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just said not my master's. My master's was a massive <laughs> one to sort of learn on the go. However, if we're talking not my master's, I always, and this sounds really cliche, but I've found it's so, so, so beneficial to be working alongside really strong and competent staff within different areas of the school and in my well my first year of teaching um, while I wasn't full-time it was the first or the second round of lockdown COVID 2021 so I didn't necessarily get a great idea of what teaching was actually like in that first year but my second year um, which I was really lucky I was put into um, a program at the school it was based in year nine and within that I learned so much from the leaders within that team and the team in general about how they um, interact with students, how they go about their own little program and how well I saw that they, what they were wanting to get across to the students came across to the students and how much the students respected what they were doing and in turn were getting so much out of this. So I think for me, the, the one of the best professional learning, and although it's not necessarily an official form of professional learning 
it is really learning off the people um, that you're surrounded by. And I have been really lucky across lots of domains within the school that I have been surrounded by. Yeah, very competent and confident and always um, staff that are always willing to help, which I think makes such a difference um, to, yeah, starting teaching. And I think as well we've done through school, we've done, again, this is sort of a little bit linked to my master's, but um, mental health first aid at school, which I think I was able to really, I found really beneficial on top of my master's. But no, it's not, I know it's not specifically teaching, but I don't think you can teach properly without having an understanding of the, the ins and outs of what's going through students' heads and their well-being and how, yeah, obviously mental health is such a big contributor into their success. So I found that, yeah, the mental health first aid was a really brilliant yeah, form of professional development. So I know it's not professional development as well, but I always have been so lucky and thought that, I guess before I came into teaching, I sort of thought you're on your own. Once you finish uni, they give you all the skills. But I think you're not expected to know everything. And the staff around me at school, um, both in humanities and um, this year nine program and, and PE as well, they've all been so helpful. And I think learning off other people in your faculty or in your certain domain of the school um, can be so beneficial as well. That's where I've found as well that it's been, yeah, really helpful. Yeah, and it's. I think that role modelling is such a crucial and formative part of your years as a beginning teacher. I think if you get excellent role modelling, then moving forward you will continue with, you know, maintaining those um, good practices because that's what you've been exposed to from the beginning of your career. And it's just incredibly challenging at the moment where, you know, beginning teachers are going into schools where that isn't necessarily the case. And I hope by way of a little bit of you know, providing this podcast to people is that it will provide you with some additional information if you haven't got mentors um, that, you know, and for a whole variety of reasons, may not be able to give you the the time that they would love. Um, at least there might be opportunities through things like this podcast to get a little bit more information and to hear from people like yourself, Emma, some of the things that you found really helpful since leaving uni. Um, my next question is is really around what has surprised you about teaching. So you said your mum was a teacher, so you probably, and everyone's been to school, so everyone's got a, a preconceived ideas of what teachers do and what their what their day looks like. But when you first started teaching, what were some of the things that you were like, oh, I didn't, didn't quite know this was going to be part of the gig? I think probably the biggest thing is that at uni, it's really honed in on that you need to plan your lesson minute by minute and the way that you plan it is the way it's going to go. But for me, I found that uh, my best lessons have been not when I've made it up, but when it doesn't go exactly how I've done in my in my plan or how I thought it's going to go. And I'm sort of, I think, expecting coming from uni that the way that you write it is the way you're going to deliver it. And I found that jumping into the classroom for the first time on my own, I, I had an idea of what was going to happen, but it, it didn't turn out anything like that. And I think that that's it's really great to have that sort of freedom as a teacher that I didn't think that my teachers had when I was at school. It's just, you're not in that mindset, I guess, of the other side of it, but that you don't have to be so prescriptive in your lesson plan minute by minute and really work with what the students are giving you and what they're enjoying and, and don't be disheartened if it doesn't go exactly how you wanted it to go. And that you, you, the students don't know that how it was supposed to go. So that if if you do make mistakes and if it's not exactly how you want it to be, that's more than fine. 
and I guess just, yeah, at uni that wasn't my, I guess, perception of what teachers do or how it should be. But I, it's really reassuring the first couple of times I taught. I remember my first couple of lessons, I went back to the office and I was like, that's just not how I thought it was going to be. But it was it was great or it worked or this aspect was great, this aspect wasn't. And the advice I had was that that was completely normal, um, which was a massive surprise, I guess. I don't think uni lecture is necessarily, yeah, give you that heads up that it's not. The students don't know what you were going to do and so what you come out with is is great it's new to them it's not yeah expected and I think that's what there's a few things I want to touch on with what you've just said I think it takes a certain level of confidence though when you're a beginning teacher to make that judgment call in a lesson and it can be really daunting as you say because you don't have someone in the room to kind of pick up the pieces if the lesson goes completely wrong so I think that's where as a beginning teacher you just need a little bit of confidence in your own self and back yourself a bit at times to go yeah, I'm reading the room on this and this lesson is not going as I planned. I'm going to have to quickly alter it and, you know, and I think as a beginning teacher having a couple of things up your sleeve that you can just go to in case a lesson is going completely not as you expected. But I love what you said about picking up on what the students are doing and saying in the class because as a beginning teacher you can be very formulaic, which you are t- trained to do in your degree, and I know why, because they want there to be structure and they want don't want you to go rogue because, you know, you haven't got years of experience to go to fall back on. But I think what you said about knowing the point at which it would be more detrimental to plough on with a lesson rather than stopping and saying, yeah, actually, they've come up with a really interesting discussion around this particular topic and I can see their engagement and their curiosity and I'm actually going to foster that by way of continuing down this line. And I find for me I work so much better with energy. So when my students have energy, I don't like to squash that. So if if my activities got completely out of hand in terms of they're really energetic and they're up and about, I like to, and I know it's 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 difficult initially, but I think you're right with that confidence in that just trust yourself that while it might not yeah, while it's not exactly what you thought was going to happen, use what works for you and use what the students are giving you. So energy is always the big thing for me. If I if I feeling they're a bit flat and whatever my activity is isn't quite getting them, I and it's really simple. It only has to be a couple of minutes and I just get them up and play a quick game and it doesn't even have to be related at all to what I'm doing. But I find that reset of of just starting again and getting them sort of back excited into the lesson or whatever it is that they need a bit of a break with. Um, that that's more than okay and that's definitely definitely I did not learn that at uni and that's not what I was expecting as a as a yeah first year first few lesson teacher that you can you can do what you want with the students it is the ball is in your court you make the decisions and yeah work work with what they've got and yeah adapt as needed I love that. It's great advice. I think, as you say, you want to stick to the curriculum. You can't go totally rogue, but picking up on the energy of the students is really important. What's been the thing um, that you found in the first three years that's been the most challenging aspect of doing this role? I think straight off the bat, probably the most challenging aspect for me was that I didn't have I guess the correct perception of what teaching was given that my first year was majority online. And I found that quite frustrating and it was out of my control, obviously, but challenging that I've, I've done the four years and I'm ready to go. And then I, I couldn't physically, obviously no one could um, be in the classroom, but I think 
challenging beyond that is probably allowing myself to know that balance is so important and sometimes you get so bogged down with well this needs to be done this needs to be done this needs to be done and yes that is so 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 important to get things done but for me probably one of my biggest things is acknowledging that I need to do something that's going to make me feel good now to be able to keep doing what I need to do and I think yeah just giving myself that okay it is okay to go out and go for a walk or go out and see those friends or having giving myself yeah the sort of allowance to have balance in your first years of teaching and I think without that balance balance I guess it's a key word for me in my teaching but without that balance especially in your first few years I think you can really quickly um, not necessarily spiral but I think you can make it a lot harder for yourself um, physically mentally emotionally than it necessarily yeah than it needs to be by yeah, giving yourself those little breaks when you need. And if you're, if you're not well, you're not well. If you feel as though you need a break, you need a break and just allowing yourself, making sure that you know that it is okay to do that. And I, yeah, I did struggle with that initially, but I think the more people tell you it's okay to have a break, it's okay to, yeah, if you're not feeling great, don't, like, don't, don't push yourself. Um, But yeah, really creating that balance in your first few years. I think it's so important because you've also, for most um, teachers here in Victoria, at least, you will also be trying to navigate your um, moving from provisional to full registration. So you'll also be potentially having a VIT inquiry project sitting there somewhere in the background. And there must be a lot of competing kind of matters at school that would be trying to capture your attention. I would love to know from you, how do you um, de-sort of stress vent? Teaching is a, can be really intense at times as a career. And I, and I I don't personally believe this is something that we prepare beginning and early career teachers about where all of a sudden you might have had a, a challenging interaction with it. could be with a student, could be with a parent, could be with a colleague actually. Um, and, and when I say the word challenging, I'm not necessarily meaning a full-blown confrontation, but it might just be something that um, you, you know, just weren't expecting and it's made you feel a bit uncomfortable. So how do you, you've talked about balance in the form of, you know, making sure you've got that work-life balance, but how do you personally, I, I suppose, I'm really keen to know how you process those situations as a beginning and early career teacher. How What's helped you? Uh, so when I have, yeah, had a more challenging day at work or I've had a challenging interaction with a colleague or a student or a parent, I think as a early um, early in my career teacher, I think it's so important to know that it is okay to feel your emotions, to let out what you need to let out. And um, I've been so lucky and I'm, I, I do consider myself lucky that I have great housemates that know sometimes when I come home, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to do anything. I just kind of want to sit and be on my own. And a lot of the time on my way home from work, I'll call my mum and just have a bit of a vent um, or call a friend. But just to really, yeah, allow yourself to feel what you're feeling, vocalise it, um, let your emotions out. One thing that I love to do, which is a little bit strange, exercise is one of my biggest sort of de-stresses and, um, yeah, get my endorphins running, which makes me feel so much better. But come at night time, if I still feel a little bit uptight or I just need to wind down, one of my favourite things to do is go for a bit of a drive by myself and I'll listen to something or um, my favourite thing to do is drive to the beach and I'm lucky that I've, yeah, 
most of my life I've lived really close to the beach and from a really young age it's been it's been something that makes me calm so I think yeah working out what it is for yourself that makes you feel calm and um yeah gets you back in the right sort of headspace and for me that is yeah I'll, I'll feel my emotions and then move on I'll call my mom I'll go for a drive I'll um yeah see sometimes I do like to chat to my housemates but sometimes it's just more I just want to be by myself and yeah let me feel how I want to feel I really think it's important that when you're starting off in this career is that you find someone who's a good listener you don't necessarily need someone to give you feedback or advice on things it's just a little bit like dealing with teenagers sometimes. You just need someone to listen, like just allow you to kind of go, I can't believe this happened today. Have that opportunity just just to offload. And uh, that's some of those things you just touched on there were absolutely fantastic um, pieces of advice. And, you know, I have two dogs. Like I'm a big believer in therapy dogs. We don't have one at school, but um, I do think, yeah, you find what it is for you that's just going to help you sort of de-escalate the end of the day because it's really important, as we know, to look after our, our own mental health as teachers. And I think even more so at the start of your career because we just, again, see figures time after time about burnout of young um, of young teachers, you know, the the percentage of, you know, beginning teachers that leave after five years is really not great. And and that's more that we need to do as a profession and, and certainly as a leader at a school. It's something I'm conscious of all the time is just making sure that people have got other um, ways of, of, you know, helping um, if for us to help them if there's a concern. But I'm glad to hear that. But I think also having your own coping strategies as, as you know, just as an adult are also super important as well. If you could turn back the clock and change one thing before starting your teaching career, what would it be? Do you have anything? So I think if I could change one thing before I started teaching, that it would be that it's okay if you're not exactly sure what you want to do. So I've said at the beginning of the podcast that I didn't even know that I wanted to be a teacher. But then within that, as I sort of started to do uni and started teaching straight away that I always thought once I got my head in the space of, okay, I, I want to be a teacher, I always thought it would be PE, um, but that really quickly changed. And I think if I could change one thing, it would be like my mental state of you don't have to right now know exactly what you want to do with the rest of your life or even to go further as you don't have to know what you want to teach and when you want to teach it and exactly what it is, yeah, at any point of what you need, what you feel internally that you need to be doing. Yeah, and don't put pressure on yourself. Like I think there's so many things in life that we put pressure on ourselves for in other domains of our life. And I think as a beginning teacher, coming in and just being really open-minded to different opportunities, you know, like I know I I know I distinctly remember saying to you, oh, how about teaching history at Year 7? And you were like, hmm, don't know. And I'm like, give it a go. I'm sure you'll be amazing. And, you know, that's just been something then that I think you ended up. Did you do your VIT inquiry from memory on history? I can't remember if you did that as your topic. Yeah, see, and that's something that you probably would not have anticipated right back at the beginning. So um, that's one of the, I think, one of your... One of your yeah. strengths is that you're so open-minded about different opportunities and, as you say, not having those preconceived ideas. Um, actually, things can work out, like, surprisingly well in the end if you are open-minded. And sometimes it doesn't work, but in your instance, like, that was just, yeah, a, a great opportunity for you to jump in the humanities team. Yeah, and if you had have told me uh, 
when I finished school slash when I finished my uni degree, both any point along that journey that I was going to be teaching humanities or teaching history and love it, I would have probably laughed and walked the other way because it's just not something I ever thought I'd do. So, yeah, I think, yeah, just changing the mindset of what you, yeah, think you might be doing. Yeah, that's great. And um, we're almost finished our interview, but I suppose I'm really keen to know what you're looking forward to developing in your in your teaching in 2024. So I feel really lucky and super, super excited that I have, um, yeah, I have got the opportunity to work as the Dean of Wellbeing for Year 9 in 2024. And I'm really, really excited to sort of expand just beyond the classroom and the teaching side of things, but to work in more of a leadership role in a, I guess, an area that I've always been really um, focused and passionate about and to see what I can sort of do in that space and how, how as an educator, both within and outside of the classroom, how I can really grow, yeah, as an educator and see what I've got to bring to the table there and a whole lot of new experiences that come with, yeah, a leadership role, which, uh, yeah, I could not be more excited about. Mm, and we're really looking forward to that as well, Emma. And Lastly, any last pieces of advice for our beginning and early career teachers who are tuning into this? They might be just about to walk into their very first school in a few weeks' time in January. Anything that you might want to just give us some general advice? Uh, I think just back yourself. Um, if you if you're not confident, pretend you're confident. If you're really nervous, pretend you're not. If you um, don't know necessarily exactly the explicit exact finer details of what you're teaching pretend you do and what what you can get from that is a lot more than you might get from being really really stressed and staying up late the night before and trying to work that out but just allowing the lesson to to unfold as it as it does um confidence goes a long way students don't yeah the students don't need to know that you're nervous and that you're not a hundred percent sure that yeah the finer details of exactly the tiny little bits of what you're teaching and yeah, let yourself let yourself enjoy teaching because let yourself enjoy your lessons, enjoy the classroom, enjoy the students because, yeah, at the end of the day, um, it's so important that if you're enjoying what you're doing, chances are the students will enjoy what you're delivering. So back yourself and, yeah, Have the fun. rest will come. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, when I... Um... I think as, you know, someone who has worked with you for the last three years as well, I think you as a beginning teacher display a range of attributes, which I'm going to talk about in a different podcast, but so many of them I see in you as a beginning and early career teacher. And I think it is um, interesting to hear you just talk then about that because we've never had this sort of conversation before, but I always get a sense that you go into your lessons with such a sense of enjoyment um, and just a genuine care which is authentic and, you know, obviously um, comes through in so many different aspects of not just in your classroom practice but your general practice as a class as a teacher at a school and your engagements partially with students. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that in another podcast, but I, I think you embody a lot of those attributes that I'll be referring to. And, it, you know, from my perspective as a leader at a school, um, and I know other school leaders listen to this podcast, is knowing that um, that support you're given in teams is really important to the development of beginning and early career teachers. So that's something that's um, I've taken away from today's episode as a school leader to really try and foster those um, interactions with supportive colleagues, experienced colleagues, um, 
but just even creating other opportunities. And I mean, obviously, I know we've got a, a very serious pickleball competition going on at school at the moment. Um, and I think also something I've seen you do really well and, and, and an attribute I'm going to speak of is you've got to develop social interactions at school. You don't have to be best friends with people. You don't have to hang out with them all day, every day. But I think something that I've seen you do really well is that you've also created good social connections at work, which means that, you know, you've got a pickleball partner and that you've also got um, people that you can go to that are not in your faculty that you can just have a conversation with and um, that that helps to build, I think, a sense of connection to the school, but also, um, you know, across, you know, and that and that gets reflected in things that you're doing across the school and your involvement. So, Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so wonderful speaking to you. And um, obviously, personally, it's such a privilege to see you develop into the incredible leader that you're turning into, which is just incredible and um I can't wait to see what you get up to next year in that role. And um, I think everyone listening to this today will have lots of points that they can take away from and um, apply in their beginning and early career, early stages of their career. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It's been, yeah, great to chat. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you hit subscribe at Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts so you're the first to know when all my other episodes drop. The show notes can be found on my website, launchintoteaching.com.au you'll find a link on my website to all my socials i'd love to hear from you and if there's anything else you'd like me to cover do let me know 